Today's guest is Professor Ermos Nicolau. He's the academic head at the Witz Maternal and Fetal Medicine Center. He's an unusual solutionist thinker, or maybe not so unusual. He is a problem solver, and he's a problem solver of problems that occur before we're even born. And what Professor Ermos Nicolau has done is broken huge barriers in the care and treatment of unborn babies. In April this year, he collaborated with a team of international experts to perform spinal surgery on an unborn fetus with spina bifida. It's the first time on the African continent that this type of surgery had been attempted. The feeling of enabling a child to actually have a a reasonable life or almost normal life, that's for me is priceless. That's exactly what uh, we have been doing all our lives and that's exactly what the aim was of this surgery. I'm Bruce Whitfield and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. Is the little baby born yet, Amos? No, the baby is now uh, seven weeks uh, after surgery. It's about 33 weeks. Uh, I saw the mom and baby yesterday, and they're both doing well. Obviously, the baby is still inside the mom's tummy, and hopefully will be able to go to full term uh, sometime beginning of July, expected date of delivery. What is spina bifida? Why is it such a, a threat to, to, to a fetus and to uh, giving that child a normal life? Yeah, well, spina bifida is an abnormality that uh, obviously happens in utero when the baby is developing. Happens quite early, actually, and uh, uh, the earliest we can see spina bifida is probably from about 12, 13 weeks. Spina bifida is a Latin name, means basically an opening uh, of the spine that allows uh, exposure of the baby's little nerves yeah. to the amniotic fluid that causes actually damage to those nerves and whatever is below the spina bifida, usually the legs, the bladder, um, things like that, then become affected. There are various degrees, obviously, of uh, severity, but uh, by and large, spina bifida is a, is a bad condition to have. What are the, the sort of birth issues? I mean, when a child is born with spina bifida, um, are they likely then to be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of their lives? I mean, what, what are the consequences yes. of yes. being born with spina bifida? Yes, the commonest uh, problem, of course, is being wheelchair-bound. Uh, they're unable to use their legs, or at least uh, they're only partly able to use their legs. Uh, there's stool incontinence, urinary incontinence, uh, issues with impotence and infertility. Uh, but, of course, the spine is connected to the rest of the body and to the brain as well. So there are problems with the brain as well, water accumulation in the brain, uh, something called hydrocephalus or waterhead. There's a need sometimes to put little drains inside the baby's brain to to drain that excess fluid. So it's a complex situation. Never mind the the psychological aspects and the psychological stress on both parents and the child with uh, such a problem. Um, and I suppose 10 years ago, um, when the diagnosis was available and you could do a scan and you would pick up a problem, um, you would then offer the parents the option saying you are welcome to carry this pregnancy to term. But here is the consequence of doing so. And in many cases, parents may have chosen, chosen to abort the fetus and say, rather than bring this child into the world when the consequences would be so devastating, suddenly that prognosis changes dramatically. Because if you can fix the problem in the womb, um, the child has got a far better chance at having a normal life. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, until now it was uh, we make the diagnosis and then we sit and discuss the problem with the parents and say, okay, these are the two options, termination of the pregnancy or you carry on with the pregnancy as is and the neurosurgeons will then have a look and try and repair the problem after birth. The problem, of course, is some of this damage can become irreversible and the longer the exposure, uh, the longer the opening, if you wish, uh, into the amniotic fluid uh, causes more severe damage and obviously uh, more severe handicap. So this alternative that we now have to go in and, and try and repair the problem at 25, 26 weeks uh, will make a difference in terms of the severity of the condition. I mean, it's yes. complicated enough carrying out an operation on a newborn baby or on a two-year-old baby. I mean, this is a tiny little body, um, and you can use anesthetics and all of those sorts of things. It's it's done all the time. But the the, the added complexity of going through the stomach wall of the mother and then into into her womb and then operating on the child is beyond my comprehension. Take me, in simple terms, if you can, through that process. Uh, look, first of all, you need to get the parents to obviously think about it. Uh, extensive counseling is uh, important. They need to understand what it means to, to have a child with spina bifida, what are the options available, and they need time sometimes to digest the news. Uh, in our case, we had uh, made the diagnosis at around 21 weeks, so there was plenty of time to think about it and make a decision because we wouldn't really operate on the baby before 25, 26 weeks. The reason for that is if things go wrong and we need to uh, bail out, the baby is not happy with what we're doing and sometimes we need to deliver, at least the baby may have a good chance to survive after delivery. Before that, uh, you know, it wouldn't really stand a chance of survival. So once this is done and the parents are happy to to go ahead, then obviously the, the long process of planning starts. In our case, we collaborate with a Texas Children's Hospital with Professor Mike Belfort, who's an ex-South African, and uh, we have been collaborating for a number of years uh, on various levels, but the idea was to bring actually our fetal surgery program at WITS and at the Morningside Clinic to, uh, to the next level. So we were looking for a, a suitable candidate, and when I say suitable candidate, uh, we, we see lots of abnormalities, but not every abnormality is amenable to, to surgery and to repair. Uh, this particular baby was uh, uh, just right for what we were looking for. In other words, the spine was normal, just uh, open. And therefore, the task was to try and close that defect at the, at the back and, uh, and try and, and optimize outcome. Now, the surgery itself... Um, it's complex and uh, it, it took, I think, overall about six to six and a half hours to to get through the whole process. Obviously, it wasn't all operating on the baby. Uh, there's a lot of preparation before uh, you get to the baby. But uh, essentially, uh, what we did, we uh, opened the, the tummy of the mum like we would do in a normal cesarean okay. section. But we didn't open the uterus. The uterus remains, the womb remains closed and we then insert scopes, little telescopes, about three millimeters in diameter, to look, obviously, all these things are done um, after we have already assessed the baby on ultrasound, we have uh, assessed the the extent of the damage, we know exactly how big it is, So, and we have made some preparations. Mm. But on the day, 
we put our scopes in. We went to exactly where we knew there was a problem. Uh, and uh, with the help of a neurosurgeon, uh, so just to stop here for a second, we had two teams. Bruce, we had a team from Texas and we had a South African team. Experts, uh, um, and we had a neurosurgeon from South Africa and a neurosurgeon from the States, the maternal fetal medicine specialist Mike Belfort from Texas and myself, and we had the anesthetists and the neonatologists on standby just in case. So we then um, identified the problem. We we cleared the area because there are little skins, little membranes uh, covering the the spina bifida, we clear that area and then we put a special membrane, a special patch that is uh, uh, very um, uh, sort of body friendly. It's a collagen kind of patch uh, to cover the defect. And then uh, slowly, bit by bit, we close the skin above the spina bifida to achieve a watertight closure. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you, you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had I, I've had mechanics more stressed about doing work on a car engine of mine than you sound about the process of opening up a, a, a woman who is well on her way in pregnancy. She's six months pregnant. She you, you're opening her up. You're then going through the, the into, into into the womb. You're piercing the amniotic sac, and anybody who's ever you know, been present with an amniocentesis knows the stress of just a needle going through a mum's tummy and into the, into the amniotic fluid just to draw off a little bit of fluid to make sure that there isn't a, a, any defect there. But you're, you're doing the surgery. You're now communicating with people who are watching on screens 10,000 miles away. There are lots of dynamics here. There are lots of dynamics at play, and yet you, there are two lives in your hands at that particular moment in time with a whole bunch of influences and stresses that an ordinary surgeon doesn't have to deal with at any moment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I must uh, uh, correct you here. Uh, Mike Belford actually was with us. Here oh, okay. And yes. I'm, I'm imagining so, video yes. screens and... Yes. Okay. No, the, the rest, okay. the rest that is all bad. correct. Okay. The rest was all correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, obviously, uh, you know, the patient and her husband had uh, plenty of time to to get used to the idea. They did lots of research uh, uh, you know, thank goodness for Google nowadays. They had the opportunity to speak to parents in Texas where uh, they went through the same experience. They uh, looked at uh, video clips. They saw little kids running around at the age of two and three. So they familiarized themselves. And although it was stressful, very stressful for all of us, uh, they they knew it was the right thing mm. to do. Um, Surgery, you know, provided you follow... Uh, certain rules and uh, you know you plan it beforehand and you know what is the next step um, you know it's 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 a precise kind of uh, process you know yeah. you, this is step one you will uh, secure the membranes because as you say by putting a needle into the amniotic sac you may cause damage you may separate the membranes you may cause miscarriage or bleeding so that's step one to sec to secure those membranes so that they don't separate there are special stitches you put there how how life-changing is this for you as a professional, somebody who's worked as an obstetrician, somebody who's worked all your career as a gynecologist? This is such a new level of intervention in, in fetal abnormality and trying to rectify that fetal abnormality to give the child the best possible chance at having a comfortable, a comfortable life. But that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? The, the, the feeling of enabling a child to actually have a, 
reasonable life or almost normal life. That's for me is priceless. That's exactly what uh, we have been doing all our lives, and that's exactly what the aim was of this surgery. Uh, but but by creating this kind of uh, excitement and these uh, uh, new techniques, obviously we uh, establish. Um, uh, more collaborations with the overseas centers. We want to work with the other centers overseas. We create awareness of people in South Africa, colleagues of ours, want to know what's going on because that's collaboration is very important. Uh, we need young doctors to say, hold on a second, I would like to do that and come and sit with us and learn with us because we need to leave a legacy behind us as well that one day someone else will carry on doing this. Uh, and that's all of the above, actually. So when we look at it and at the, at the possible applications, this is to deal with spina bifida, but there are a plethora of things. Anybody who's ever been through a pregnancy understands just the stress and the excitement and all of these things, but you're always second-guessing whether or not there's a problem. The opportunity to fix problems in the womb is has got to be far bigger than just spina bifida. There are a multiplicity of applications, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was the beginning of, uh, hopefully, of uh, many more exciting things to come. Uh, we have been actually uh, uh, doing already procedures in utero. We have done many things uh, from uh, uh, blood transfusions inside the womb where babies, for example, get blood transfusions through the umbilical cord to, to save them from developing severe anemia, uh, like in rhesus, for example, disease, to putting little catheters into their kidneys, their bladders, their chests, to allow their lungs, for example, to expand. So when the baby is born, he's able to breathe. So we have been doing these things for a, a number of years now with, with good success. But this is a level up. This is now proper surgery where you actually would operate on a baby like you would do uh, when the baby is born. Uh, with the difference is that you do it much earlier and try and prevent uh, irreversible damage. There is also the decision to make as to whether to take the risk of doing it in utero or to allow the child to develop to as full, close to term as possible, allow the child to be born, and then put yeah. the child through the trauma of surgery at that particular point. And I'm, 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 from a parent's point of view, I wonder which is more traumatic. Yeah, look, we, as a principal, we would never uh, perform any surgery on a baby inside the womb uh, just for the sake of it. No. So on balance, it has to be an abnormality that would cause severe handicap or death. Uh, so basically, uh, there's only one way forward, either to uh, consider termination or allow the pregnancy to continue to full term, but knowing that there will be uh, irreversible damage or try and repair the problem before the baby is born and actually have a better outcome. So these are really essentially the three uh, questions that uh, any prospective uh, couple will have to answer, isn't it? And it comes down to economics also as to what parents are able to afford, what the medical aid will pay for. Um, yes. Nobody wants to be faced with the choice of aborting a fetus. Um, yeah. That is you know, seldom the intention of any uh, couple trying to have a child. Um, but faced with an extraordinary crippling cost versus the possibility of rectifying an abnormality, it does ultimately come down to economics. Yes, you're absolutely right. We, we are very fortunate in uh, our country that uh, uh, people are willing to, to hear, people are willing to um, uh, go to the next step. Uh, in, in this particular case, uh, the medical age that... Uh, um, uh, we asked uh, if there would be um, uh, 
prepared to pay for the expenses of the operation, uh, they actually uh, said, yes, by all means, send us what exactly you want to do. Obviously, we need to look at it and discuss it among ourselves, but we'll be more than happy to support this. And a couple of weeks later, we had actually the go ahead and they said, by all means, in the future, if you want to do another case like this, let us know. I mean, is it because it's in an experimental stage and they want to see what can and can't be done before really committing to a long-term future of funding this sort of surgery? Because it, it, it's a bottomless pit of need, potentially. Yeah. It's not so much experimental anymore. This particular case we did um, was a, a modification of a technique that has been used uh, in the past. I think they have done about 60 cases worldwide uh, um, with with various modifications over the years initially they were delivering the baby like they would do at uh, you know after a normal delivery or a cesarean section they would deliver the baby uh, do the repair and then put the baby back inside the womb close the womb and hope <laughs> that yeah so so exactly uh, although the the results were pretty good in terms of the spinal repair or any other surgery that was performed the the risks were too high and uh, patients went on to uh, going to premature labor or miscarriage. So this new technique where we now do everything through little scopes is a relatively new technique. Uh, and initially, we were the, the, the team in Texas were closing the skin without actually using any cover, but there were problems with that. The repair wasn't as good as watertight. Uh, and this new technique now where we use this particular membrane is it's a relatively new technique. Looks like it works pretty well. Uh, judging from our own case, where we're now seven weeks post-operative uh, period and still going strongly, I think we're looking good. Um, and as a medical professional, I mean, this is a, a new toy box for you, if you like, a, a new tool in your arsenal of again trying to improve the lives, not only of the of the parents and reduce the stress and reduce the trauma, but again providing that sense of hope, that sense of optimism that a, a medical diagnosis isn't a death sentence or a sentence to be spent in a wheelchair or incontinent all of your life, or whatever the case might be. The advances in medical science are fundamentally changing people's life outcomes. Absolutely. And and we need to keep up with the rest of the world. Uh, we as a country, we have an obligation to uh, you know, our patients, uh, to society, to actually provide them the best possible service. And if this is happening uh, elsewhere in the world, there's no reason why South Africa should be left behind. Uh, you know, collaborations and uh, centers of excellence around the world uh, are there, and we just need to reach out to them, and uh, they're more than happy to help us. And we help them because there are stuff that we do that they also want to learn from us. The remarkable story of the operation that uh, carried out by Professor Armos Nicolaou, who's the academic head of the Witz uh, Maternal and Fetal Medicine Center, and uh, using the best of uh, global best practice and carrying out an operation in South Africa. The baby, still in its mother's womb and still growing strong, stands a far better chance at leading a an uncomplicated life. Well, life is complicated enough, isn't it? But you don't need to be compromised in the complicated life that the child is going to lead. And one day, they're going to have a great story to tell. And maybe it'll even motivate them to go and become uh, medical solutionists as well. Professor, thank you so much for joining us on RMB Solutionist Thinking.